0: What's your favorite superhero movie? Favorite superhero movie? That's a hard question. I can, give, I, I can narrow it down a little bit. If you could only watch a singular superhero movie over and over, what would it be?
1: Single superhero movie over and over, I would have to say... I'm a stickler for the simpler things. It, it would definitely be split between um, Batman 1989, um, you know, Michael Keaton, fantastic cool. Batman, and uh, Superman 1978. Christopher Reeve, but it definitely leans more towards the uh, first Superman
0: film for me. You know that's a fantastic segue. I'd like to hear your pitch for a Superman movie. you've got you've kind of hyped it up. I'm very excited for it. My people. I've been informed that there's a lot of world building in this idea and I, I used to DM a lot so I am such a fan of world building. See me too I love I love world building and that's that's my favorite part
1: about writing just in general when you when you write like a whether it's a book or a movie or a TV show, you, you write that pilot, or you write that first movie in like a set of movies, or you write that first book. All that juicy detail that you get about the characters, why the characters are the way they are, the world that they live in, whether it's uh, dystopian, or whether it's um, you know utopian, or whether it's based in reality. A great example is uh, Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings is a great example of world building. You know, I was talking to one of my coworkers. Uh, we were talking about the uh, Lord of the Rings books and how when they're up on that mountain in the first book in Fellowship... Yes. Tolkien spends nine pages describing that mountain before he gets to any of the action sequence. And it's all description.
0: It's an impressive writer.
1: So, in a lot of ways, world-building is very important to me, and that's why, in my idea for a Superman film... The first film would not only be an origin story for Superman, but it would also be building the world that this Superman would live in and building the ideas for future installments of this Superman in this universe. It's, it's a very important thing that while you also have to realize that sometimes movies are one-off, Sometimes you might make something for a studio and then that studio will ask you to come back for a sequel and you got to be ready. And you, you don't always want to throw new information in every movie at an audience. Sometimes you want to already have some established information that they can go into the movie with.
0: Star Wars. I think they do it really well. Uh, before we start this, I have two things for you. Uh, I have water if you'd like, if you get, like, thirsty. Okay. And the second is a question. Do you have a name for your superhero, your Superman movie? Currently, it was just Superman. But
1: I, the the title card would be very, you remember the original Superman title card from the animated series? Yeah. Where it's, like, the big S, and it tapers off into the... Superman. And, it's, and they also used it for a lot of the comics for many years, where it's the big S and it tapers off. That would be the title card. I, I I toyed with just being Superman and then my villain's name, but I feel like that that gets done too much. And while if there if this movie was ever made, of course there would be trailers and the trailers would tease the villain. I feel like there's there's a semblance there's a small semblance of mystery that goes into going into a superhero movie for the first time. A lot of times, especially with an origin film, it was just having that superhero's name sitting in front of you, that's enough to make people go to the theater. Like when we had the Fantastic Four film that they did with um, Iowan Gruffudd in 2004, and uh, Chris Evans and everyone who was part of that set of movies. It was just Fantastic Four. That was it. And that was enough to make people go to the movies and watch the Fantastic Four. You had... The original superman film from 1978 it was just superman or some people superman the movie yes batman 1989 was literally just
0: batman, batman.
1: the most recent batman movie was the batman. batman
0: yes <laughs> okay I and get it was your enough
1: point. to make people go to the movies so i definitely feel like while it would be interesting to have like a, a more nuanced title card i definitely feel like just having superman
0: would definitely pull people in. I really want you to continue, but now I have a question that stems off of that. Do the, would the other ones have names, or would it just be Superman 2? The other I, ones would
1: definitely have names based on based on different plot elements of the films. If there were further installments, which I have sort of planned for further installments if the movies were to ever come to fruition, I have ideas for further parts and it would be based around the different things that Superman would face during these films. There are a couple of ideas that we can get into later on that for more nuanced title cards, but right now being where we are, I definitely think that just, just Superman works so well for it, for the idea that I have. You've convinced me. Tell me about your story. My story starts off like a lot of Superman films before it. Uh, it starts off on Krypton. But there's a twist, okay? This is Krypton before they, before the bottled city of Kandor.
0: So nowhere even near their extinction.
1: We're not, we're not quite there yet. Well, a lot of stuff is happening on Krypton right now. There, you've got Jor-El and Zorel and you know you're, you're introduced to these, uh, these early-ish forms of these characters. And part of it, ta- part of the film takes place on, uh, in Kryptonopolis, which is where Superman was actually born on Krypton. The, the city was called Kryptonopolis. And then part of it takes place in Kandor. Because that's where Kara Zor-El and her family lived was in Kandor before everything happened. And so they're just, people are just living their lives on Krypton and everybody's happy. And then all of a sudden, a giant spaceship appears in the sky above Kandor. It looks very, very much like what you would imagine this particular villain's spaceship to look like. He, he's always portrayed as a sort of narcissistic villain. He's very of himself because of the fact that his biggest thing is going around the entire universe and collecting as much knowledge as he can. So all these robots start spawning all over the city, fighting with these citizens of Krypton who have... Not a whole lot of fighting experience because Kandor and Kryptonopolis are the more high society cities on Krypton. Huh. They're the more high society rich cities on Krypton where these people don't normally have to fight. They're not the military. So robots start spawning all over the city, just wreaking havoc, collecting information, killing people, just general mayhem. So you, know, you kind of get this idea that all this stuff is just all occurring and it's very fast-paced and then all of a sudden you start to see a barrier starting to come up out of the ground around the city because the city of Kandor is now being bottled. In his infinite wisdom, he just, the, our main villain has decided that this is the city that he wants to live forever and to be his beacon of
0: knowledge for
1: the plan of Krypton.
0: Slight tangent. Is there a reason why he chooses Candor instead of Kryptonopolis? Or he just not like for well, I guess for the movie as well, but like in the in the comics is there a reason?
1: I don't remember if
0: there's a reason why. I hadn't looked too far into why he chose Candor. I only ask because, like, I've never heard of Kryptonopolis. I, I just, I assume Kandor was not, like, the capital of Krypton, but, like, the important part of Krypton. Well,
1: like I said, Kryptonopolis is, it's, it's a name that kind of, it, it was used to describe the city where Superman grew up. Well, not necessarily grew up because he didn't spend a lot of time on Krypton before he was sent away. I believe in the comics he's about a year old give or take when his parents put him in the spaceship and send him away but I believe the first time that Kryptonopolis is mentioned as a city on Krypton is way back in the early years of his comics pretty much like right after they established him as an alien it was the idea that you know it was on a planet and I guess when the writers were coming up with it they were like well the planet's called Krypton capital city it makes sense to have a similar name to the entire planet because it's the capital city of the entire planet. On Krypton they didn't have they had separate like city states and stuff like that, but they didn't have like whole entire countries that had separate infrastructures and things like that. It was a pretty united planet. But I honestly can't answer why he chose Kandor. It's just something that he decides to that's just the city he decided to choose.
0: Back to the pepsi commercial, The
1: bottling. Right. The, the city is being bottled, and somehow or another, you see little blonde girl, she ends up making it out of the city alive. Along with a, some other people, you know, Zorel ends up making it out of the city, obviously, because he's an important part to later on in the story of Superman, so he ends up actually making it out with his family. But... The city ends up being bottled. The ship disappears. There's a giant crater in the planet where the city used to be. The military doesn't actually make it to the city in time to save it. And this kind of pisses off one of the main military generals because of the fact that they weren't deployed in time to try and save this very important city. And this is what causes the, the Kryptonian Civil War that happens later on that it's one of the pushes towards that civil war that General Zod fights later on with the leaders of Krypton where he starts fighting against. So we fast forward a little bit to during that civil war and you know you see you see a little bit of General Zod. It's it's not very much like Zack Snyder's version in terms of there's there's a lot of fighting Kryptonian Kryptonian battling it out. One of the biggest differences and one of the things that I wasn't a fan of for Zack Snyder's version in Man of Steel was the fact that jor actually is killed by Zod rather than...
0: The explosion of Krypton.
1: The explosion of Krypton the way that he is in both the comics, although modern comics have revived
0: jor I can't stand him. In, I don't like the Bendis run. I really don't like the Bendis run.
1: There are parts of the Bendis run that I enjoy, and then there are parts of the Bendis run that I uh, wasn't really a fan of. All in all, Bendis didn't do a terrible job with Superman. A lot of my characterization of Superman comes from some of the character choices that he made for Superman in the Bendis run. Carry on. So, and this this whole Krypton thing takes place in the first like probably only going to take twenty to thirty minutes of the movie, because it establishes our main villain, which is Brainiac. Yes. Which, I know I was kind of avoiding saying the name, but I, I kind of wanted to hint at it before I actually said it. Brainiac is our main villain for this first film, and a lot of it is going to be about... The biggest idea for the film was the biggest enemy for Brawn is Brain. Yes. And the biggest enemy for Brain is Brawn. And Superman is widely known as if not the strongest, one of the top strongest characters in the DC universe. I mean, he's carried planets behind him. He's lifted entire planets. Yep. This man he's he has so many incredible feats.
0: He's truly done it all and then some.
1: Right. And then you've got Brainiac who has all of these fantastic intelligence feats and in in some versions, he's just, he's a robot, and in some versions, he's an alien with advanced cybernetics mm-hmm. of another dead race, the the Kaluans. When I was first coming up with the idea, I was like, well, what's a villain that we haven't seen a whole lot of in both live action and, like, you don't even see Brainiac done a whole lot in animation, either. Mm-hmm. He, you had...
0: He's usually, like a big kahuna type character and then he's around for a little bit and then goes away.
1: Right. They make him out to be this this easily defeated character because they make him out to be just brain. They make him out to be just a very intelligent character not necessarily the formidable opponent to Superman that he he is. is. In a lot of ways while I don't think he would be necessarily a formidable opponent for the entire league by himself even though he has proven that he is I definitely think that Brainiac is more of a first Superman outing because of the fact that he has so much knowledge about Superman's home planet.
0: That's Superman Lex.
1: In a lot of ways, I, draw, I drew a lot of inspiration for Brainiac from there was the version of him that they did in Superman the Animated Series where he comes to Earth just offering a hand to Superman to tell him about Krypton, which is under the guise of wanting to take all the information of earth and blow it up because what uses knowledge in brainiacs mind what uses knowledge if you're not the only one that has it which I feel is like such a pow- it's such a powerful motivation I'm gonna commit mass genocide because of the fact that I want to be the only one with this information because information that everyone has is useless but information that only I have
0: valuable yeah
1: it's the most valuable thing in the universe. And I would like to
0: keep, I want you to continue on the Brainiac stuff, but I'd like it whenever we get to Brainiac. Continue from Krypton. So. Civil War. You see a bit of Zod. You see a bit of Zod. You have the, the whole
1: war going on. Eventually, between the efforts of Krypton's High Council, Jor-El and Zor-El, between all of their efforts, they managed to defeat Zod. And end up sending him and all of his underlings to the Phantom Zone. The way that it happens in the comics. Mm -hmm. Which is how Zod survives...
0: The destruction of Krypton.
1: The destruction of Krypton. So, at this point, Jor-El has already made it known in front of Zod to the High Council that the planet is dying. Which is another push that Zod had to fight back against the High Council and to fight back against the leaders of Krypton. It was one of the big pushes and you see that a little bit because you see Jor-El go and talk to the council. He pleads his case and you know Zorel is on the council. Zorel and Jor-El have a little conversation after that interaction where they're like, "Well, I need your support because like you're my brother, you're on the council. I don't make a habit out of being incorrect." And Zorel is kind of like well yeah you don't make a habit out of it everyone has the capacity to make mistakes everyone has the capacity to find something that's not necessarily there and you've been doing a lot of research on you know, the life of the planet and things like that I understand where you're coming from but I really, I really don't think you're all there on this one and you know, Jorella's like I'm right I just need to find a way to prove it to you and then you can help me prove it to the con- council Zod kind of overhears this conversation because it's right outside of the council chambers. And he's like, well, if Jor-El being a high scientist in, he's a, he's a high scientist, you know, the house of El is a science house. And uh, they're a very, they're, they're a respected house on Krypton. In Zod's mind, it's like, well, if they won't listen to him and he ends up being right, somebody has to do something so that again becomes part of Zod's motivation to kind of try and overthrow the High Council but I mean he ends up like I said he gets thrown in the Phantom Zone that's how he, he ends up surviving and then towards the very end of the Krypton sequence and the very end of Krypton the, the seismic tremors start happening and the Council starts to realize they were wrong and they, they call upon Jor-El and they're like well what can we do and jor just kind of like, it, it, you waited too long. It's too late. I mean, I can try and make enough pods to escape the planet, but we can no longer save the planet. And then it becomes one of those things, well, why don't we all go into the Phantom Zone? And then we can survive. And it's like, well, we can't all go in the Phantom Zone. That's where we send all of our... The worst of the worst... Like, we will die in there. We will all die in there, or we will all die out here. So we can't do that. And so that idea gets shot down really quickly. And then it becomes, well, we need, to, we need to save the planet. And it's like, well, we can't save the planet. We have to save ourselves. We have to go somewhere else. And instead of focusing the efforts on going somewhere else, they're like, no, we have to save the planet. And Jor-El's, you know, like, you know what? Screw you guys. You guys do. You guys do you. I'm gonna build this spaceship I'm gonna save my son I might be able to save myself and my wife but I'm definitely gonna save my newborn son because he deserves to live a life and then as he's leaving on that high note of saying F you guys Yes. Zorel catches him and is like well hey can you build, can you build a second pod because I think, I think it would be important for Kara to go too and that's ri- and I kind of seed the ideas of Supergirl because yeah. obviously she survived Kandor and then now she's She's got to be sent away. And then they talk about, well, somebody's got to be there to raise Cal. Somebody's got to be there. It's like, well, okay, then we got to send Kara. Because Kara at this point would be like 14, 15. She'd okay. be in her teenage years. I was about to... Because she she's in the comics, she's so much older than Cal is. There's a huge age difference when they're on Krypton. So they build the spaceship, you know, you you see all of that. It's kind of like a... You know how a lot of movies do the
0: training montage? Yeah. Well, this is going to be a building a spaceship montage. montage. Right. Mine had a spaceship montage. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, continue.
1: And Zorel actually helps with the spaceship. You know, he show, he shows up. He ends up being the guy that like hands the tools. You know, it's it's one of those things because Zorel kind of got away from the whole science thing mm-hmm. when he became when he went into politics. It's kind of like that, that Sherlock Mycroft sort of thing. Where they have such differing ideas on everything. But now that they're both kind of on the same page, they're trying to work together to do what they gotta do. So they build the two spaceships, they they get everything ready. They they send cars off. Well, they get car ready and cars in hers. Zorel is saying goodbye and everything. Lara is having a conversation with Jorel and it's like well, I put in the, we put in these extra compartments that are relatively comfortable for a second person to go with them. And I want you to go. And she's like, no, I, I'm going to stay here because you're still here and you're going to die. And I'd rather die with my husband than my son will be safe because I know he'll be safe because we've done a lot of research into where we're sending him. So I know he's going to be safe. So he'll be fine. I'm going to stay here and I'm going to support you while well, we all die. But it's gonna be a whole lot more nuance. There's gonna be a little bit more romance
0: to it than that. I'm just kinda of trying to um, paraphrase. Yes. You know, um. And then are bust out of the planet, and then Jorel gets sent to the president, and he's freaking. Sorry. Right. I don't like Bendis'
1: run, I'm sorry. <laughs> In this version, opposite of Bendis' run, yes. Jorel dies. Yes! That's how it's supposed in the to be. explosion. And Allura Zurel, the mother of Kara, isn't there when they send her off. I ha- I never quite got the idea of how to explain why she's not there. Well she's not. She's just not there. She heard. So they get Cal in the spaceship after they argue about whether Lara's gonna go, and then they launch both spaceships. Planet
0: explodes.
1: The same way it happens in the comics, a rogue asteroid from the explosion of the planet knocks Kara's ship off course into the Phantom Zone. Ouch
0: alright that sucks
1: So I mean, you see, you see the Phantom Zone open. You see a portal to the Phantom Zone open up, and the, the, the ship go through.
0: Why does the Phantom Zone open up?
1: You know, I I can't remember if they explained that in the comics. If but I had it does to ex- happen
0: in that, that that that's the reason in the comics. She goes. She ends up going
1: through the Phantom Zone. Interesting. In in a version of the story. There's a couple of different versions where, like, it gets knocked off course and goes a different way to Earth. <laughs> There's a couple of different versions of how she gets there. But we're Team Phantom Zone. I like the idea of her passing through the Phantom Zone because of the fact that future ideas, you know, uh, you know the Phantom Zone will open back up and then Kara will come through. And maybe somebody <laughs> else will come back through. All right. You never know. So now Superman makes it to Earth. The Kents find him. You have that you have the emotional scene where he lands in the cornfield and then they're they're like well should we take him and they're like no it could be somebody else's who else is it gonna be who who in kansas is launching spaceships so they take him home and they raise him and he becomes clark kent and you, you get a little bit of his uh kid life where well not kid life but because i always liked the idea that they did in the comics in the more Early Superman comics, where Superman does not immediately get his powers as soon as he lands under a yellow sun. Mm-hmm. In in the original idea of the comics, he actually doesn't get his powers, and this is why, like when he's in school, he can be a jock and he could do all these different things, is because of the fact that he doesn't get his abilities until he's a senior in high school. He's almost done with high school when he gets his power. When his powers start to show up, and so he doesn't have super strength or super speed or any of that. When he's growing up, he grows up a regular kid, which is why the Kents don't tell him, "Hey, we found you in a damn spaceship. This is this is where we found you." He doesn't find out until his powers start to develop, and then they have that emotional scene in the barn. You're from another planet. Here's this thing that your parents left in here for you. We don't know what it is, and we can't. We've never been able to open it. But here you go. And so then he has the emotional scene, like in uh, very, very similar, but not the same as when he has the. The holographic image of it, of his parents, like he does in uh, Superman: The Animated Series, but I definitely liked that idea. So I wanted him to have, I wanted him to have some experience with Jor El and Lara, without it being not to crap on Zack Snyder's version, but the idea of Jor El making himself into an AI was kind of it was good for the idea that for the story that he had for the story that he came up with it was very good but it it's not necessarily the version of Jor El
0: I wanted I liked how in the animated series how whenever it was the holograms he like tried to talk to them and stuff but it was just like a recording of them right like, it was a, it was a recording
1: and in a lot of in a lot of ways it'll be very similar although they will kind of respond to him a little bit mm-hmm. they, they'll have certain like pre-programmed things that they can understand and relate to him But most of that won't come... Most of that talking back and forth that he is able to have with them won't come until he goes into the Arctic and does the Fortress of Solitude. Which, it won't be as much of a... It won't take up a lot of the movie when he goes up there. Yeah. Because of the fact that it won't be as much of a trek as they made it into in the first Superman film. Because in a lot of ways, he was was still learning and developing his abilities, which makes sense but at the same time i kind of feel like when the powers develop with how long he's been under the yellow sun with him developing his powers at the age of 18 i kind of feel like the powers would kind of develop in sort of not necessarily a gradual thing they just kind of appear when he's doing random stuff he lifts a bale of hay and it ends up going 50 feet into the air 100 100 feet in the air and it's like well wait a second I couldn't do that yesterday and I kind of feel like that would be a little bit of a comedic aspect because Superman is a happy character.
0: He is a happy character he's supposed to be fun to be around you he's know, a person. He, and in a lot of ways he grew up a human first. Yeah I think I, I, really, I really respect him not getting his powers until he's a senior in high school because he's been just a dude for the first 18 years of his life
1: Right. So he, he understands what it's like to be human
0: Important. Important for Superman.
1: Right, because that ends up in the comics, that ends up being the biggest difference between him and Zod. The biggest difference between him and Zod is well, Zod grew up where power was this most important was the most important thing. So if you had power, you were destined to do this specific thing. You were destined to rule over the people that and protect over the people. Whereas Superman just learned to protect. Superman learned to protect and serve. He did not learn to protect and rule. That's a very driving force in Superman's character is the fact that he learned to be human before he learned to be Superman. And learning to be Superman wasn't as much as a learning curve because of the fact that being human played such a huge part in him
0: becoming Superman. He was the man, and then he got the powers, which make it, it made him the Superman. Exactly carrying on so he got his powers comedic stuff his his powers have developed so now he's gonna be like well there's not a
1: whole lot i can do here in kansas smallville there's not a whole lot i can do here in smallville not a lot of stuff happens here there aren't a lot of villains there aren't not necessarily villains but there's not a lot of there's not a lot of crime because everybody knows everybody you know the only people in the small town jail are the same is the same drunk guy who ended up there the night before it's very andy griffith you know, you know the same the same drunk guy puts himself in the same jail cell every night because he got drunk.
0: That'd be a fun monologue, like a fun something that like Clark just like talk probably like talk to his parents or like Lana Lang or something like that. That that'd be a fun thing. Just like I can't do anything here, cause so he ends up deciding. Well,
1: big cities have a lot of stuff going on.